Hey folks, I'm Chris Britton. I'm the youth minister at Centerpoint in Prattville. I want to let you know that since today is February the 1st, that marks the deadline to sign up for all of our spring and summer trips. So if you're wanting to go to Guatemala, Mexico, Nashville, Nicaragua, Peru, any of those trips, you need to get signed up today. You can go by the information table at your site to pick up the application and to turn in your deposit. So get signed up today. Coming up later this month on February 28th, we're hosting in Prattville the Centerpoint Half Marathon and 5K at the McQueen Smith Bradford Branch YMCA. If you'd like to sign up for that event, you can do so at your site's information table or online. All proceeds from this event go to support student missions at Centerpoint. Now to all of our junior high and high school students who are listening to this, this is the way that you can receive some benefit from this Half Marathon and 5K. As long as you're signed up for your trip by today, you can also sign up to work during the Half Marathon. You might be a turner at one of the route corners. You might be passing out water. You might be stuffing bags getting ready for the event. Whatever it is you do, all your service will allow you to get some hours and raise money for your mission trip through this event. everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint, and I'm glad you're with us at the beginning of February. Where did January go? Uh, but anyway, the new year started, and we started with a bang with a series right from the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached or taught. And uh, from that sermon, we're gleaning a number of life lessons, and that's why we say life plus Jesus equals better. And today, it's no exception on this, we're talking about inside-out righteousness, righteousness that comes from the inside of, of our hearts instead of just from the outside. It's not just things we do, it's things done for the right reason with the right motive from the inside of our hearts. And so inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled Inside-Out Righteousness is Better. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, raise your hand and one of our ushers will be glad to bring one to you. And I want to welcome all those who are watching us via video at Pike Road and Wetumpka and Cloverdale. Glad you're along as well. We've uh, said this is a PG-13 service, and that's what um, all this is about inside uh, the bulletin cover and other things. But the idea behind that is simply that Jesus talked about some things that are very important for us to talk about. And today we're talking about adultery and divorce, and Jesus taught straight about these things. And I want to talk to you straight about these things, and they may be inappropriate for small children. Um, you're not ready to answer those questions yet. And so uh, that's why we uh, called it this. We've got great children's ministry stuff going on if you need to take a child there. Let me have a word of prayer. We'll jump right in. Lord, I thank you that you didn't pull any punches. You told us about life, and you told us about morality. You taught us about obedience. You taught us about loving you from the inside out. And today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and you'll move me out of the way. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Point one in your outline is just get right to it. Jesus taught that true righteousness comes from the inside out. Uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had sat down and taught his disciples. And we've gone through the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer and a whole lot of things already in this series. Um, but in this section that we're looking at here from Matthew 5, Jesus started out this way. He said, look, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There are religious people who are out teaching things that God had never commanded them to teach. And he says, I want to warn you, if you think I'm teaching that kind of righteousness, I am not. I got, I'm selling something different here. Not outside-in righteousness, but inside-out. You need a heart change. Now, if you want to know what he's talking about, here are a couple other places where Jesus makes this very clear. This is from Matthew 15. 
why do, you deci- why do your disciples obey, disobey our age-old tradition? Some of the Pharisees and religious teachers are doing this because Jesus' disciples would sit down and eat and they didn't wash their hands in the prescribed manner, which is what everybody did to remain ceremonially clean. And, uh, and so they were questioning Jesus one day. Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition, they demanded. They ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Listen, Jesus said, and try to understand It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. And what had happened, what Jesus was talking about here with the religious leaders of his day... God had given the Ten Commandments, but they had built up structures upon structures upon structures to stay so far away from ever breaking one of the Ten Commandments, they ended up with more than 600 commandments and all kinds of commandments that had nothing to do with anything. And these were age-old traditions, like they're talking here about hundreds of years, people have been doing this, and now when you sat down to eat, you had to go to this elaborate hand-washing ceremony, ceremony so that would prove to everybody that you were pure and undefiled. And Jesus is going, look, You guys think that how many times you wash your hands, that's what's going to make you undefiled? Because it's not what goes into your stomach that makes you filthy. It's what comes out of your heart. In another place, Matthew 23, Jesus said, Look, you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Jesus said, Look, if you want to know what really causes a problem in your life, it's not, it's not the dirt from a unwashed hands that'll poison your heart. It's all the sin that's already in there. It's from the overflow of the heart that our mouth speaks. All the evil actions come from inside of us. And so he said, you need a heart change. That's what has to happen. But here's good news. This is a life application. Through Jesus, we can be reborn and made clean from the inside out. Well, how do I get a heart change? Well, that's why Jesus came. He said, look, I don't want you just to have outward righteousness so you look holy on the outside, that you dress right, wash your hands the right way, park your car at the right place, do everything just for show. I want you to have a genuine transformation from the inside out. Romans 7, Paul talks about this. I've discovered this principle in my life. When I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Can anybody relate to what he's talking about here? Okay, the rest of you need to read that. Okay, anyway... um, I've discovered this principle in my life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Through Jesus, we can be reborn. That's why people are said, Jesus said, it's like being born again. I have to have a complete heart transplant. To come to Christ means that, hey, I'm under new management. I've given my life to Jesus now, and he's changed the way I think about things. I don't want to just kind of do the things for show, go to church just often enough that people think I'm Christian, or put enough in the offering plate, or do whatever it is Christians are supposed to do. What I want to do is I want to do things because that's who I really am. And that's what we want in marriage. I mean, I think how you'd feel if you're married and your spouse only 
took you out to dinner. Well, we need to go out to dinner again. Why? Well, the neighbors are watching. And if we don't go out at least once a month, they're going to think something's up. Well, if you've got to talk like that, something's up. Okay, you don't go out to, hopefully you don't go out to dinner on Valentine's Day. Well, it's expected. It's a ritual in America. Where do you want to go, dear? Hopefully we go because we want to go out to dinner. I mean, our heart's in it. This is what uh, Hebrews 8 talks about. The prophet Jeremiah talked about this too, by the way. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day. And, and uh, Hebrews is talking about how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. It says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Yeah, you and I can get a new heart. And then what we find is, is when we ask Christ into our heart, man, he is pounding away at bad attitude after bad attitude our whole life long. You begin a journey with Christ, and man, he just comes in. It's like going to the dentist, uh, C.S. Lewis said, where um, <laughs> I go to the dentist to get my teeth cleaned, and then he goes and finds a cavity and wants to put in a filling. Well, I didn't really want you to do that. Yeah, I know, but you'll thank me later. And Jesus comes into our hearts, and he starts knocking down bad attitude and sinful thoughts. And then we discover, oh, you know, every time I let go of this, every time I change my attitude on this, I become more like him. People ask me all the time, well, how do I know if I've got a stony heart? And I haven't shared this illustration in a while, but some of you have seen this before, and I bring it up every couple of years because it's just something that revolutionized my life the first time I saw this. How do I know if I've got sin in my heart? Jesus said, look, it's what's inside your heart that defiles you. How do I know what God's working on in my life? Well, if this cup represents my heart, then what's in my heart is what's going to come out. Now, you have no idea what's in this cup. I could have coffee in here. I could have lemonade. I could have water, anything. There's a good way to find out what's inside this cup, though. All you got to do is one thing. Bump it. Oh, there's water in there because that's what came out. Every time this cup gets bumped, whatever's in it comes out. What comes out is what's in it. If you got bumped this last week and you said all kinds of horrible, awful, terrible things... That's what's in there. If you got bumped this week and you had no patience with anybody because it was a bad week, and if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody else going to be happy, then that's what's in your heart. If I get bumped and all sorts of wicked desires come out, I can say there's pure water in there, but there's not. Neither can you. And so there's an acid test and for you and me to evaluate ourselves, we ought to say, well, Lord, are you in control of that area of my life? So sometimes, <laughs> the first time I saw this, it was something that was really interesting. They said, well, thank God when you get bumped. I mean, I'm so angry sometimes. I go, God, why'd you let that bad thing come in my life? Because that made me so mad, I was cussing mad. Yeah, I allowed you to get it bumped so you could see you're cussing mad. We've got to work on that, John. If you've been bumped this last week and you didn't like what came out, that's what God wants you to work on. That's what he wants you to surrender. Hey, John. Hey, Billy. Hey, Susie. This is what has to change in your life. Surrender that to me. I'll give you a new temper. I'll give you a new tongue. I'll show you how to live. But you've got to surrender this. You had sin in there. That's what's coming out. I came to give you a new heart. Give me your heart. Not just outward obedience. See, that's the thing. If I go through life, I mean, that was the outward obedience to the Pharisees and other things. I could go through life, and if I don't ever get bumped, you know, if everything's going right, I got eight hours of sleep, ate a bowl of Wheaties, uh, you know, I'm in good health, and, uh, you know, job's going well. Even if I got a bad attitude, nobody's going to see it. 
man, you let my health get a little bit bad, you let money get tight, you let some things go wrong, boom. Now we'll know. I remember talking to a couple in my office not long ago, and they weren't having a good relationship. And boy, we hit a hot button in the topic, and there were words that flew and profanity and stuff, and all of a sudden they realized they were sitting in front of me. And the husband goes, I'm sorry, I don't normally talk that way. I go, well, how do you normally talk? I mean, this is, I mean, I go, that's how you normally talk. What do you mean that's not how you normally talk? I'm glad it happened. Now we know where you are. Now look, Jesus came to give us new hearts. You want a new heart? Come to Jesus. You want to, you want to get rid of all the filth and sin and impurity of your heart? Surrender your whole heart. That's why we surrender our hearts every day and say, Lord, I want you, I want you to make me new every day. And it's not, an, it's not that God's being unkind when he lets us get bumped. Because that's when we find out just how selfish and sinful and how wrong we can think. Everybody good on this? Amen. Jesus said, that's the kind of... That's the kind of heart transplant I'm talking about. I don't want hand washing. I want heart washing. Brings us to point two on your outline. When our hearts are right with God, our hearts are right with God when we seek to obey the intent of his commands, not just the letter. Now Jesus went on. Now if your heart's right, then you're not just going to obey the letter of the law, you're going to obey the intent. A true Jew... This is Paul writing on this subject, and then I'll get to what Jesus said. A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. God's washed out our heart, cleaned us up. Jesus said, don't misunderstand why I've come. This is Sermon on the Mount again. I didn't come to abolish the law. That's the Old Testament or Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to fulfill it. So you would obey with the right heart. Now, if you're wondering, what's the difference between letter of the law and the intent of the law? Well, all of us remember this. I remember when my boys were small, and they'd get in a fight, and I'd have one of them apologize to them. Say you're sorry. Sorry. That's the letter of the law. They did say they were sorry. They were not sorry. Does everybody understand the difference? I can go to church, and I went to church, but I didn't come to learn a dang thing. I went to church because my spouse made me there. You happy? No, God's not happy. That's outward obedience. I went to worship, but I didn't worship. Or here's your money. I don't want to give it, but take it. Guess I got to give some money to this or I'll go to hell. No. We talked about it last week. God loves a joyful giver, a cheerful giver. He wants us to give with a pure heart. He wants us to worship with a pure heart. He wants us to apologize with a pure heart. And that's why we come to him and say, God, you got to give me a heart transplant. And then Jesus gave us three illustrations again where we can evaluate ourselves. Not many of us are going to struggle with religious hand washing, Okay. I will tell you three things that all of us struggle with that we have struggled with since the day Jesus said this. I mean, they were struggling with it then. We struggled with it just now now as well. And there are three issues right here. Point A, you and I must not hate or curse others. Jesus wants more for us than abstaining from murder. And Jesus is talking about 
Following the intent, not just the letter of the law. Heart's right, not just outward show. Here's what Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. That's God's judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. And if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Here's the difference between the letter and the law. Letter. Don't murder. If you murder someone, you're in danger of judgment. I mean, he's referring to Exodus 20, verse 13. You can look it up. You can write the margin. Deuteronomy 5, 17. Ten commandments given two places. Once in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Forty years apart. Same commandments. And the commandment, thou shalt not murder, it's right in there. Don't murder. Well, I ain't killed anybody. And a lot of times that's always the standard for getting into heaven. I ask people, are you ready to face God? Well, I haven't killed anybody. Well, good. We're all, we haven't committed murder yet. Good. We're all good on that one. That's all God wants from us. Hadn't killed anybody yet. But my brother-in-law, I hate his guts. I wish he was dead. You don't think people talk like that? People talk like that all the time. I hate my boss. I hope something horrible happens to him. My next door neighbor, she's a witch. I wish God would just strike her down. People say this stuff all the time. For all those of you watching on video, everybody at Prattville is just staring at me. They've never heard such things. Okay. <laughs> Come on. This is where we live. And Jesus is saying, this is wrong. Hey, it's wrong if you plunge the knife in somebody's back. It's also wrong if you go around hating them. God wants us to love our enemies and pray for each other. Love for our enemies and pray for them. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to forgive each other. Not just not murder. So the Pharisees were washing their hands. So they were right. And then over dinner, they were talking about how they were plotting to kill Jesus. Think of it. They did. They would ceremonially wash their hands and then over the meal plot how they were going to kill him. That's not clean. That's not a pure heart. And you and I could do the same thing. We go, I hadn't killed anybody. Went to church. Saw that guy there in church. I hate him. I wish he was dead. Jesus says, that's not the righteousness I'm talking about. If you and I have unforgiveness in our hearts, let me let go go of things. In fact, you flip your page over. He went on to say, here the next couple of verses, life application. You and I need to reconcile with those whom we have offended as soon as possible. ASAP. If you realize somebody's got something against you, go reconcile. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person and come and offer your sacrifice to God. Again, he's talking about a right attitude. Hey, you want true worship? Then obey God. You realize there's something going on between you and someone else? Go forgive them. Go reconcile. Go get that right. We hit this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about forgiveness, but I wanted us to hear it again because this can rob us of so much joy and it keeps us far away from others, and it keeps us from experiencing God's love in our lives. Because if we have something against something else, somebody else, every time we can go into a good day, man, all our joy is robbed if we see that person. I was having a great day till I saw Billy. 
till I saw Susie. That's terrible. I can't stand them. And Jesus said, no, you want a pure heart? Get rid of that stuff. Give it to God. Be reconciled. So it's not just enough not to murder. Jesus said, I want you to let go of all your hatred and put-downs and judging other people. Just get rid of that. Let it all go. And then, and then you won't be anywhere near murdering them. I mean, it's one thing to murder somebody. It's another thing to say, well, I'd never do that. Would you assassinate their character? You bet. Standing around the water fountain, I'll say all kinds of things about them because I hate them. If I'm willing to assassinate their character, Jesus said, What's there's not a lot of distance. Because the attitude to heart is still the same. Inside out, righteousness. So again, if we've been bumped recently, and we see this, some surrender. Here's a second thing. You and I must not lust after others. Jesus wants more for us than abstaining from adultery. Here's what he said. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I put up there, we must not lust with others. This isn't only men lusting after women anymore. We live in the day when next week, apparently, the movie's coming out in the next two weeks, Fifty Shades of Grey. Mommy porn. Good news, women. There's porn for you now, too. You can go lust after sexual immorality. Good news. It's not just for the men anymore. Not just for the men drooling over to the swimsuit edition. Not just for the men to go to Hooters. Now there's mommy porn. Good news, women. You can lust too. I'm telling you, we live in a wicked time. And Jesus said, you want to check the attitude of your heart? Well, I haven't committed adultery. Talked to a fellow not that long ago. He's addicted to all kinds of pornography. And his wife had him come see me. He goes, well, I don't see what's wrong with window shopping as long as you don't buy Really? So that's what your marriage is? Window shopping? And Jesus said, no, when it comes to sexual immorality, we need to make radical adjustments to avoid sexual sin. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. What Jesus is saying, make whatever radical adjustments you need to make, because this will destroy you. Paul talked about it later in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually against, he who sins, sexually sins against his own body. And I want to tell you, man, the area of sexual sin can open up all kinds of other problems. I mean, people get caught in the act of adultery, and all of a sudden there's murder, there's hatred, unforgiveness, disease. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Horrible things done. And you and I need to be willing to make whatever hard adjustments there need to be made. Another fellow came to see me. He was dealing with porn and it's on his phone. So he went and got rid of his smartphone and went and got one of the old phones where you can only send text messages and you can only make phone calls. And some people were laughing at him about that, that he had the old, you know, 2005 phone or whatever. And uh, he said, look, I can't handle this. I know other people, they've cut off the internet completely from their house. 
and they were just obeying Jesus. I'd rather go through life without DSL than have the fastest internet connection in hell. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make whatever radical adjustments I need to make. If you feel like there's an inappropriate relationship going on with a coworker, break it off. Do not go see filthy movies. Do not support restaurants that put women up there so you can ogle at them. Don't eat there. Don't go there. Why would I open myself up to temptation? And Jesus said, look, I didn't just window shop and I didn't buy. Well, if you're window shopping, the intent is to eventually buy. And always and always and always, I hope you've noticed in this whole series on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, check your motive, check the manner in which you obey. Motive and manner. Why are you doing what you do? And how are you doing it? And if this is just that, well, I want to know how much porn I can look at and not go to hell, you're missing the whole point. Because Jesus said, no, you don't go anywhere near that. This is a heart transplant. This is wrong thinking. I'm glad if you didn't commit adultery. Good. I'm glad if you haven't killed anybody. Good. I don't want you to hate people, and I don't want you to go around lusting after people. That's not what I made you for. He didn't make women to be sex objects that men just stare at. He didn't make us to treat each other like animals or his children. That brings to point C. Jesus said, so again, most of us aren't dealing with hand washing, but we have dealt with attitudes of the heart and murder. We have dealt with lust and adultery issues along those lines. And we have dealt with this. We must honor our marriage vows. Jesus wants more for us than just avoiding divorce. He wants us to honor our marriage vows. We make vows, he wants us to honor them. You've heard the law says man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say a man who divorces his wife unless she's been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. There were two rabbis that were fighting about this, or debating this, not fighting, it's too strong, debating this in the time of Jesus, and they were quoted often. A rabbi named Shammai, and his whole take on this was that you could only get divorced if there was sexual immorality. There was another rabbi named Hillel that said, no, you can get divorced for any reason. If a woman doesn't please you, divorce her, get another one. Treat women like property. And that's what he said. Well, now, again, we've changed things in our time with no-fault divorce. doesn't matter, male or female. Hey, if you're not happy, get out. Get prenup agreements. Just get out. The whole goal of marriage is to make you happy. And if you're not happy, get out. The old gray mare ain't what she used to be. Kick her to the curb. Get a new one. It looks better in a swimsuit. Get a new one. And you can't tell me you don't see this stuff happening. It happens all around us all the time. This is our culture now. And Jesus said, no, that's not right. Another place in Matthew 19, he talks about this. Should a man be allowed to be, divorce his wife? Some people are testing him with this question. Jesus, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? And you, Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. And Jesus replied, 
Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to you and your hard hearts. It's not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, well, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Let anyone accept this who can. In Eugene Peterson's translation, the disciples say, well, Lord, this is hard to hear because that means we're stuck. (laughs) And Jesus goes, yeah. Don't make marriage vows if you don't intend to keep them. Don't make marriage vows with prenups, which is an emergency escape if life gets hard. Hey, you want to know if you really love someone? Stay and honor your vows. I mean, how many of us have seen this brokenhearted stuff where people, they had a good marriage going and then one of them became unfaithful? Destroys relationships with kids, destroys relationships with a spouse. I mean, the devil wins a big victory because, boy, that's the gift that keeps on giving pain, anger, heartache. Oh, And Jesus says, look, I don't want you just to stay away from divorce. I want you to honor vows. I don't want you just to stay away from murder. I want you to forgive people. I don't want you just to stay away from adultery. I don't want you to lust after people. I want you to have pure thoughts. And that's why you come to me. Now, this is terribly important stuff, guys, that we understand this. And even in this passage here, I want to point out a couple other things because, well, let me go on to life application first. Life application, love is the key to obeying all of God's commands. Paul talked about this in Romans 13. He says, for the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commands are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others and so fulfills the measurements of God's law. If I love you, then I'm not going to steal your wife. If I love you, in fact, I'll help support your marriage. If I love you, I'm not going to steal what you have. I'm going to share with you what I have. If I love you, I'm not going to hang on to anger and resentment towards you. I'm going to work things out. I mean, this just all makes sense. But I want us to note a couple of other things here. When Jesus was talking about these things, the law was don't commit adultery. And he said, well, but God wants a pure heart more than that. The law was don't commit murder. And God said, I want more than that. I don't want you to hate people. The law was, hey, as a concession to your hard hearts, here's what you need to do to give divorce so the woman at least has a chance to have a future. You don't just kick her out. And Jesus said, I want more than that. And so Jesus, when he's talking about this, and we always put Jesus ahead because he's God. I'm saying just because something's legal doesn't mean it's right. And that applies now in Alabama. Again, I want you to understand here, Jesus said, the record says, that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And this is why they are joined in marriage. You'll have many people now in the newspaper, on the news, all kinds of things, and there will be people who want to take Christians out of this argument and say, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Well, first of all, Jesus never said anything about arson either. I hope it's clear that he didn't want me to burn down your house. Secondly, Jesus did talk about marriage, that it's between one man and one woman. Right here. If anybody ever says this, Jesus did talk about marriage between a male and a female. Jesus did. Matthew 19, you can read it to anyone. And this is where we get our instructions from Jesus. The Bible's our guide in all matters of faith and practice, not the law. I had somebody ask me this week, well, now the law in Alabama's changed toward homosexual marriage. Are you okay with it? And I go, no, it's been legal for years for porn to be sold in all 50 states. I'm against porn. Does that make sense to everyone? 
It's legal in all 50 states to sell porn. Jesus is not okay with porn. It's legal. That doesn't make it right. It's been legal for decades for a man to leave his wife and run off with his secretary. Just file a no-fault divorce. That doesn't make it right. And if the laws change in our culture, where all of a sudden now we're saying marriage doesn't have to be between a man and a woman, we don't care what Jesus said, the Bible's not our guide, well then I have nothing to say to such people other than you're looking in the wrong place. And I want to make this very clear. We do have Jesus' interpretation on this. He was very clear on this. There's no misunderstanding. And if you and I want a new heart, then we come to him and we say, Lord, this is who I follow. Now here's the good news. This is point three. Good news. God promises to give us the desire and the power to live inside out lives. Well, I can't change. Paul said in Romans 7, thank, Romans 7, thank God for Jesus. He'll change me. Philippians 2, Paul also said this, God is working in you, giving you desire and the power to do what pleases him. Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Our sexual lives, our forgiveness, our finances, every part. I wrestled long and hard with this message today, whether I should speak strongly on some of the issues I've spoken about today. And the answer is yes. I mean, the answer that I came to was yes, I need to, because my friends, we live in a terrible time where people are now saying, judges are now saying there's no rational reason to support marriage the way the Bible talks about it. There is a rational reason, because that's what Jesus told us to live. And whether the state obeys that or not, we will obey this, those who put him first. The Bible's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I don't want us to play games with you. I don't want to have artificial relationships. I don't want to have outside-in righteousness. I don't want to be worried about washing my hands and not washing my heart. I don't want to just not kill people and be okay with hating them. I don't want to just not commit adultery and be okay with looking at pornography and watching dirty movies. I don't want to be okay with just not getting a divorce or making sure I file the divorce papers accurately because then it's legal. I want to love the way you want me to love. Father, we live in a time when people want to twist everything you say. We live in a time when we want to be very selfish. And I pray that we will not live that way. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. I pray that you will speak and that we will listen and we will surrender our whole hearts to you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have a song. That